I would like to place a bet. I would like the Bulls to win, cover the spread, the Bulls to win the tip, and Zach Levine for the most points, and assists. And then we're going to go and take a long vacation somewhere. Forever. No. Why? I like it here. I don't. This bet was brought to you by Uncut Gems. Jesus, what is going on here? Men who don't eat pussy in this day and age are straight up sociopathic, okay? <laughs> Final cut. What? Where? Where's what? the mic? Right here. Who could it be now? Who could it be now? <laughs> I do not have a cookie in my mouth this time. This time. Did hey, you, everybody. Did you not get any cookies from upstairs? No, they're nasty. Plus, your nieces and nephew made them, and they lick their fingers and touch them, and I don't want to eat after them. Ew. They also have all been sick. They're, like, all on medication right now. Ew. Well, this this weekend, we saw Uncut Gems again. Yes. Also, welcome to the Final Cut Podcast. This is our Uncut Gems episode. This is the non-horror one, but we're going to talk about Uncut Gems anyways. Because, well, it's not a horror film. We've talked about other crime thrillers. But it's a genre thriller. Which is so what that's our what we're going to talk about. Genre movies. This is the Uncut Gems Podcast. Don't cut your gems. This is the Uncut Penis Cod uh, Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> So, first, Uncut gems. I thought you would like to go over the trailer that we posted this week. Oh, The Wave. The Wave. I saw this at Fantastic Fest this year. It played at midnight, and I was kind of sleepy during it. I am not going to lie. I was going to say, I've never even heard you talk about it. I wasn't, I don't know. Uh, this got picked up by Epic Pictures, and it stars Justin Long and Donald Faison. You got a plot for me? Because I don't remember the plot. Well, so tell me, though. Well, he's like a lawyer, and he takes he takes some drugs, and then he's on this like crazy trip. But I was reading that some people were comparing it to Sorry to Bother You because of like the capitalistic, the capitalist like. I could see that. Just that this was even more crazy. Except there was no horse. There was no horses turned into humans. Sorry if you haven't seen Sorry to Bother You yet, but you're fucked up if you haven't yet. Yeah, one of the greatest movies from last year. But would you say it is more trippy? The wave. It's more They're trippy, it's- but it's not sorry to bother you trippy. Because he, I think he goes in... I, I have to revisit it because it was one of those late movies. And after watching four other movies all day, I was just kind of out of it. But Justin Long was there. Cool. That's cool. He was a little drunk. Did people ask him about Tusk? Because I would have. Uh, I don't remember if we stayed for all of the Q&A. Justin Long's been in some great movies, though. Yeah, Tusk. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. You've never seen Jeepers Dodgeball. Jeepers Creepers. You've never seen Dodgeball, though, right? Or I've you... only seen parts of it while it's been on TV, because I is... don't like comedies. It is a great movie. One of the greatest of the past 25 years, comedy-wise. Hmm. Uh, he was in Yoga Hosers, which was f- fucking terrible, and... Ghost Team. That was that movie that I really wanted to watch and we never watched. Yeah. Uh, well, it's currently sitting at a 2.3 on Letterboxd. I don't care. <laughs> Other than that, you got a date, release date for me? That comes into select theaters and VOD on January 17th and then on February 11th it will be out on Blu-ray and DVD. Well, we have literally the next... Six to eight weeks planned out for everybody. So next week we're gonna do uh, your 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 people, my people, the Grudge. That's racist. <laughs> after that, we're gonna do the Kristen Stewart movie Underwater, and then the week after that's gonna be we'll we'll do one on the Wave and this other movie I saw at Fantastic Fest called VHS. What's that? That was the infomercial movie that was like seventy five minutes long, but it was funny. It has like. It'd be something you see on Adult Swim at, like, midnight. Hmm. And then after that, we'll do a Color Out of Space 
Zombie Child and The Turning episode. Mackenzie and, Davis. Oh, you got it right this time. Yes! Oh my god, I did it. Because we saw the trailer three times this weekend because we saw 1917, A Hidden Life, Pain and Glory, and Uncut Gems again. Yes. And then we'll we'll do, uh, the end of the month we'll do Gretel and Hansel. I always say Hansel and Gretel, but it's backwards, right? It's mm-hmm. the other way. February 7th we'll do The Lodge and Come to Daddy. Valentine's Day we will do Fantasy Island After Midnight VFW. And then at the end of the month we'll do The Invisible Man. I thought we were doing an Oscar episode. Uh, we might throw it in there. Um, when are the Oscars? Like I don't know, February but I'm trying 9th? to talk about my favorite animals, okay? If the alpacas from Colorado Space are not in it, I don't want to do it. Of course they're in it. And then probably the 31st we'll have some Sundance coverage. And then we have an open week on the the, like the 21st weekend. So would that be a good time to do it? Sure. I have no idea, but I want to do it. Okay. We will have the horror Oscars, the final cut Oscars for you sometime in February. The Golden Knife. Hey, that's a great idea. What? The Golden Knife. I don't get it. Oh, the Golden Globes. (laughs) I was like, what is he talking about? Sorry, I was getting, uh, my brain was starting to move on to Uncut Gems. Oh. Well, we have a little bit of news before we get into anything. Tell me the news. Are you ready? I don't know. Are you ready for this jelly? (laughs) (laughs) Yorgos Lanthimos is in talks to direct an adaptation of gothic western novel, The Hawkline Monster. Huh. As hmm. many people have known, Yorgos Lanthimos has done The Favorite, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and The, the lobster. lobster. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I was drawing a blank. But this is about, um, this is a Richard uh, Brodigan's 1974 novel, The Hawkline Monster, a Gothic Western, and the late Hal Asby had been attached to, to direct an adaptation before him, but it never occurred to anything, so... Hopefully this looks cool. I mean, I think it's supposed to be kind of weird. Uh, I feel like everything he does is kind of weird. Well, remember how the killing of a sacred deer was uh, like... Bad? It wasn't bad, but... I did not like it. It was the Greek Greek mythology type movie. And then the favorite was funny. The lobster was good. A lot of people hated the lobster. A lot of people just don't like his movies. But then a lot of people just suck (laughs) but that's going to be coming in the near future hopefully but the synopsis is the book tells tales of two unlikely hero gunslingers hired by a 15 year old girl named magic child to kill the monster magic child yeah magic child what the fuck to kill the monster that lives in the ice caves under the basement of the house inhabited by a young woman named miss hawkline what follows is a unique adventure where there is more to Magic Child, Miss Hawkline, and the house than more than meets the eye. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. He's going to take it and totally make it really fucking trippy. Or not. Or not? Yeah. Like, the killing of a sacred deer, you know? They, like, were not allowed to act with any emotion, and it was just like... You know? Well, that's so, like um, how a lot of his movies are. Yeah, but that's not trippy. It's dull. Well. Well. <laughs> who are you to say? We just sat through a three-hour movie today, too. And yeah, that was, and it was too long. It wasn't... It was gorgeous. It was, it was, like, it wasn't dull. No, it wasn't. But it was really too long. We saw A Hidden Life today, and that movie's like two hours and 55 minutes. Great message. Very powerful. Visually stunning. But holy shit, was it so long. And, like, that's not a good thing when you can feel like it's long. Like, we've watched other three-hour movies, and it doesn't feel like it goes... Yeah, like we watched The Irishman. That's three and a half hours. and that didn't feel that long. I mean, Drive Across Concrete was, like, 2.45. There's there's some other, like, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, like, two hours and 45 minutes. Midsummer. Midsummer was two hours and 50 minutes. But, like, a lot of those movies, like, kind of had good pacing. This one Mm. was just kind of, like what's going on and then like nothing like everything's kind of like the same tone throughout the entire thing like it's very quiet Mm -hmm. and then there's like periods of like like when he's at the 
the camp and he's getting roughed up or mm-hmm. some other prisoner's getting roughed up. Other than that, like, it was just... But even that, they didn't show it in time. Like, there wasn't no, there was no sound. Yeah. You know? There was also no, like, blood or anything. But the music was really pretty, the, the strings. I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to get nominated for probably Best Cinematography. I haven't seen anything that good since I watched Monos. If you're looking for a movie to watch, Monos. I would watch that, too. Jason Blum is giving permission for a Firestarter remake. We kind of touched on this. Yeah, it's It's going to be directed by Keith Thomas, who just did the vigil that we saw at Toronto Film Fest. Blumhouse has picked up their movie, The Vigil. Yeah, it's so Blumhouse-y. <laughs> Basically, the, the, vigil, the vigil is... Would you say it's like Annabelle, but just a different religion? Not Annabelle, but yeah, it's like a, you know... Well, like the jump scares and... The jump scares are trash. It looks like the fucking Slender Man. But, like, it was cool that it was, you know, yeah, Jewish. And it's surprising that they've never done anything like that before yet. But wish it would have been better. But it's like the, this, uh, he left the Jewish Orthodox. And a Shomer, or, like, his friend that was in the Orthodox asked him to come watch over the body, yeah. a.k.a. a Shomer, for the night... And he was going to give him 500 bucks for it mm-hmm. because, you know, he was low on money. And then paranormal things start happening when uh, he he's left with the body. Right. So as soon as we saw this, like, we we, we were hoping it would be good. But in our opinion, you know, it's, it's landed on some people's top tens. It has? Yeah. Why? Uh, you know, it's an opinion. Our opinion, you know, some people may not like our opinion. Some I people, guess. But the vigil will be out in Blumhouse probably in the summer. So look for that. And then Keith Thomas is also doing the Firestarter remake, which nobody really asked for. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> nobody asked for that. A uh, couple more things here. Boys in the Wood. Boys in the Hood. No, Boys in the Wood. But I like Boys in the Hood. Uh, Amazon has picked up the horror comedy that premiered at South by Southwest in the Midnight section. It is set deep in the Scottish Highlands and gives an irrelevant take on generational politics, hip-hop loving farmers, and hallucinogenic rabbits. What? Yeah. Sounds crazy. I can't wait to watch it. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. Look at this picture of what they look like. Oh. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. I look forward to it. I mean, I... Remember reading about this movie when it came out for South by Southwest, but I've heard nothing about it since that article. We're going to get a three-hour cut of Dr. Sleep. Why? How long was it? 2.40. Oh, see, so that was also long. 2.30, 2.40, something like that. But it's going to be out on digital January 21st. The Blu-ray will be out on February 4th. And basically they're just adding more to... Like the Overlook, mm-hmm. from what it seems like. More fan service. Yes. But, in my opinion, Doctor Sleep was good. I liked it. But I only Sleep. need to watch it once. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's how I always feel about all movies. But now, then I'll watch them again and I'll like it. Now, well, like we saw on Cut Gems, you said you didn't like it. The, like you, It's not like you didn't like it the no, first time. No, I just... I, but like Uncut Gems, I was like, I don't need to watch it again. But it was even better when I watched it again. So FX is bringing Stephen King's Carrie back to life for the limited series. We already had a Carrie remake. File things under We Don't Need Again. That's all I'm going to say about it. But it's a series, you said? Yes, it's a limited series. Could be cool as a series. No. Okay. I have zero faith in it. Zero. Other than that, I think that is all I have... If anybody has Amazon Prime, Midsummer's going to be on there, and The Prodigy. Prodigy the band? No. This movie that I saw that had uh, the girl from Orange is the New Black. Not Ruby Rose. We don't watch that show, so why would we know? No, uh, Taylor Schilling, the girl from uh, Family. Oh. Yeah, she was like the mom in the movie, and the kid like became possessed by some old serial killer or something like that. And there was some weird line in the movie where the kid was like, 
I'll just put pub- your pubic hairs in my teeth and t- tell them that you made me suck your dick. And it, it was really fucking weird. <laughs> but that's that's all the news I got for you. It's Christmas time, New Year's time, so there ain't much going on. We talked about the wave trailer. Yes. Briefly summed up. Oh, I mean, there was the Quiet Place teaser that you're going to start seeing now. Mm-hmm. March 20th, 2020. So. You ready to dive into my spirit animal? Your spirit animal? Yes, Adam Sandler in this movie was my spirit that animal. That is not true. Well, we gotta if get. If it's true, we need to break. We it. gotta get this done because I gotta place my bets. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uncut gems. This is one of those movies that you watch and you have to remind yourself to breathe. You're on the edge of your seat. You're sweating. I was sweaty. It deserves in my an suit. award just for maintaining that. Is that why it's called mood. a sweatsuit? Sure. Sick. Um, this is directed by the Safdie brothers. Yeah, so if you've seen Good Time. And Heaven Knows What. Which also had... They're both... He, he does... The, he, I feel like they like to do this whole, like, your your um, decisions and, like, the consequences that they, like, build up into. You know what I mean? Both of those movies had that going on. Like, the butterfly effect. Yes. Yes. But we... <laughs> <laughs> but we saw this first at uh, Toronto Film Fest, and the whole cast was there, minus Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I could have cried. Adam Sandler is like, my dad. And originally, when the script was written, this was done about 10 years ago from the Safdie brothers, and Adam Sandler got, did, like, I guess the script didn't even make it to him. It made it to, like, his agents, like, one of the many he has, and they were like, no. Uh, no. So... I mean, it was pretty much like, hey, we don't know who the Safety brothers are. Fuck off, mm-hmm. basically. And then I guess after Adam Sandler watched Good Time, then he was like, oh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in. Same thing with Kevin Garnett. But Kevin Garnett saw Good Time before Adam Sandler, and, and when they were talking about doing a basketball movie, kind of intertwining the basketball and the Diamond District, mm-hmm. he was on board. But originally it wasn't even supposed to be Kevin Garnett. It was supposed to be like Amari Stoudemire. Because the Safety Brothers are Knicks fans. Oh, Knicksies. Well, the Knicks are like one of the worst teams in the league, so they couldn't <laughs> find anybody good. But when this movie takes place, the Knicks were actually good. Right. So. Because it takes place in? 2000. 10, well, it starts 15. in 2010. And then, well. The Diamond. Well, let's get into it. Not the Diamond, my bad. The Black Opal. Well, first you start off with... Ethiopia. Yes, you're 2010. In yes. And nasty mining accident leg. A compound fracture for the most part. But then these two guys see an opportunity to go get some uncut gems. Uh-huh. So they come out, bust out the gems, they take a look through the black opal. Yeah. Which like goes we, through we go through the cosmos. Yes, and then we come out Adam Sandler's butthole. Yeah. Howard. Yes. Howard is his name is, is Howard. Yes. Very very loud man. He's a very Adam Sandlery. Not really. Yes, he is. Exactly He's very loud, the same. but like. Also, when you're looking at this movie, I was. This was brought to my attention on Friday as well. The Rotten Tomato score is a 93 or something like that, and the audience score is a 57. And a lot of those scores for the audience are just a bunch of trolls sitting on there. Yeah, because everybody, there was a lot of people in our showing, and they all liked it. I think they all stayed, and they were. I heard some say like, "Oh, that was that was decent," you know, like well, nobody hated it. Nobody walked out. It seemed like everybody liked it, but a couple of people were saying it was overhyped. Yeah, That's and all. it's not overhyped. You're just a bitch. Well, like I said, <laughs> like it was way more like enthralling the second time around. Somehow, even though I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But then, once we get out of Howard's butthole, he, <laughs> he goes back to the Diamond District because apparently this is like, this was like a big thing. Like, I, I believe this is kind of based off of like what the Safety brothers' dads, because his dad worked, like their dad worked in the Diamond District. Okay. So this is kind of like a story slightly based off of his life in a way, but. Well, and like I was telling you, they really wanted to show like Jewish Culture. traditions and stuff yeah. because they said the only thing they had growing up to see anything about jewish culture and was the rugrats so they really wanted to put like that whole dinner scene and the tradition of the kids finding the all that stuff was like important to them so like after we get we got interrupted by a barking dog uh so adam sandler return or howard returns to his jewelry store and the key stanfield's character 
is well, a dick. Well, he's kind of a dick. Well, well what was his name? Darmani, Dar- something like oh, that. Oh yeah, Darmani. Darmani. Basically, what his, what uh, his character does is he brings in like rappers and high high class clientele for Howard to sell jewelry to. I mean, I'm sure you've seen in the commercial. You see a fucking golden Furby. Furby. <laughs> I would totally rock that. Which was a big thing, I think, back then. Furbies, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's not true. They were big when we were children. Oh. So maybe they were the second wave of them, though. Oh. 2010. I didn't. I never had a Furby. Never played with one. I, I thought they were fucking creepy. So he brings in all this clientele, and he brings in Kevin Garnett, Howard being a terrible gambler. I don't know about gambler terrible. addict. Yes, gonna, he has a huge problem. Are we gonna He's spoil this? Here's here's the question: Are oh, we spoiling oh, this oh, movie? Oh, right. Um, how about everything but the very end? Or you we know put, what I mean. or we could put a disclaimer. We're spoiling it. Look, most of our friends have seen it by now. If you haven't seen it, you should go see it. I think we've been praising this movie for three months and then finally it came out and then everybody's seen yeah. it. So, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear what happens at the end, then go see this movie, then come back and visit this episode. Yeah. Thanks to everybody that's messengers messaged us and said, uncut gems was sick. And I was sweaty, and I was anxiety, <laughs> and I was on the edge of my seat, and I almost shit myself. <laughs> I almost shit myself. So he gets the black opals in the mail, and Kevin Garnett's in there buying, like, whatever. He's just looking at stuff. Yeah. Getting his earrings cleaned. Yeah. So he gets the black opals in the mail, and then he goes, hey, Kevin, look at these. And Kevin Garnett's, like, mesmerized by these he like Black has Oak. like a weird life. He's, he's very like transfigured vision. on it. So he kind of cons Howard into letting him take it for the night because after he busts open the case from leaning on it, after he was told not to lean on it like eight hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Kevin Garnett takes it for the night, and at this at this time, and it's like what two thousand twelve, and this is when the Sixers and the Celtics were playing in the, I believe the Eastern Conference Finals. Or maybe it was the semi-conference finals. I know you just know I bet on it, and it pays for everything. It pays for nothing. Um, How do you think we saw this movie? (laughs) So he takes it, and he Howard just makes all these bets on the game because he like he has like a heart to heart basically in the office with Howard, saying, "You're gonna let me take this? I I feel something with it. Like I'm gonna have I'm gonna have one of the biggest games of my life." So Howard, being the gambler he is, also owing bookies a bunch of money, I'm sure is what. And then one of the bookies is actually a first-time actor. Keith Williams Richards. Yes. He was insane. He was bad. I hated him. And that was the first time he has ever acted. But the first time we saw him in person. He had a gray sweatsuit. He inspired me to get a bunch of sweatsuits. And gold chains. (laughs) I need the gold chains, though. I'm a little poor. I think he might be a bad guy in real life. Maybe he's a real-life bookie. (laughs) So, he lets Kevin Garnett take it. In place of his ring. Yes. He swaps him for the, his uh, 2008 Celtics championship ring, which they probably should have won another one, but they... Which he immediately pawns yeah, for he money. Yeah, imme- he immediately pawns it like for like so 20 grand. Deep. All he's doing the whole time is fucking gambling. And the whole time you're watching it, you're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why and these bookies, this? the bookies are after him yes. because he owes money. So he places the bet for 20 grand for like the Celtics to win the tip, the Celtics to cover. You know nothing that I'm talking about. I know what winning the tip means. Just the tip? Yes. Kevin Garnett to lead in points and rebounds. I understand that. So he had a parlay. Okay. You don't know what a parlay is. I got to make a parlay later. Not a peanut butter parfait. I don't like peanut butter. (laughs) So some shit hits the fan. Which shit? Some shit is hitting the fan the whole fucking movie. Well, yeah, but, you know, the bookies are getting mad that he's taking this money and just placing all these bets. And I don't even think those are bookies. They're like the people, his brother-in-law or whoever that is, Arnold, that he is related been to. loaning money from. Oh, yeah. But he also has a side piece, a sugar baby, Julia Fox. She's not a side piece. I mean, that's who he's with. He just happens to still be married to Elsa. Julia Fox also <laughs> has done no acting. She was a dominatrix when she was in high school and then became. I thought she was a Vine superstar. She's a dominatrix. Oh. In high school, though. Oh, I thought I and thought I, I thought she said that was the job she had that 
made her learn the most about acting. Oh, because I thought that she, I, th- I thought that I read that she was like a Vine, like one of, a Vine superstar or something like that. So, you know. She's she, like American mud wrestling or something. Well, she's like, like the sugar baby, basically. If you think about it. I think she has her own money, though. Yeah, well, she works for Howard in the jewelry store. Yeah, but she does other stuff, Because too. he would always be mad, like, oh, it must be nice to be able to come to work whenever you want. Yeah. You know, I, I'm here all the time, slaving away, and then, like, he... You know, she he always... also, yeah, the Safdie brothers wanted her for this part immediately, but the producers wanted, like, a big A-list actor, so, like, she had to try out with, like, 300 other people, but then she had, like, really good chemistry with Adam Sandler, so she got the job, and her character's name was supposed to be Sadie, but that's Adam Sandler's daughter's name, so they had to switch it, so she played herself. I was gonna say, didn't she just, wasn't her character's name just Julia? Yeah. (laughs) So, he still has his wife, who, like, fucking hates his guts. I love that part where she's like, you're the most annoying person I've ever seen. Yeah, but that, like, com- that comes later on. Yeah, but it's the best. Because it's so true. But, so the bet, so after Adam Sandler places the bet, <laughs> and then the shit that hits the fan is, they come looking for their money, he hits the bet, but the bookies came in and canceled the bet for him. Right. So, so they would have been paid off. Right. And then it's just like a, a, a whole spiel of him trying to get the Black Oval back from Kevin Garnett because he's just not it's answering. It's very stressful. Yeah, it's like... You're like, what the fuck? He's trying to get the Black Oval back. Kevin Garnett's trying to get his ring back, but they're in two different places, and one's not communicating with the other. Like, Keith Stanfield's character is not communicating well either. Dude, it was so stressful. <laughs> and then they show up at the weekend party. The weekend was a douche. Is that how you really are in real life? I can't. I can't do this without the black light. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was Was the weekend even around then? Because I yes, that well, it was exactly. He was about to be super big. Oh. But man, there was so much yelling in this. So much swearing. I thought you said that's what people were. That's what people hated, but I was just like. I didn't think there was so much swearing. Well, when we swear a lot, I mean, it's... I didn't think it was abnormal amounts of swearing. Like, it was fitting. I mean, I don't know. But like, Fuck you, Howard. But, like, it, it's just one big bet the entire time. Basically, Howard's just betting on himself. And so, like, when and he... And he plays, like, a nervous, like, pathetic guy so well. Like, it's just... You feel bad for him, but you're like, what the fuck are you doing? But, I mean, he goes to, like, he tries to be a family man... Does but, he? Does he really try? No. Well, he goes to his daughter's play. He's a fucking loser ass bitch who had a beautiful wife and decided to go fuck all that up and be a piece of shit. But he goes to because his, he's a gambling. Problem. He goes to his daughter's so play. So you sure it's really your spirit animal? Partially. <laughs> so he goes to his daughter's play, and then the two bookies are there again, still looking for their and money. He gets free. He gets pissed. Well, this is the part that you were talking about where they cancel his bet. That was this part. They yeah. put him in the trunk naked. Yeah. And he's like, this is my fucking family. Like, what are you doing here? We heard you resurfaced your pool. Yeah. (laughs) So, basically, if they would have been fine if they didn't cancel the bet. I mean, sometimes you got to take a big risk. And that's what he does. He does this a lot. And I'm just kind of like, I'm nervous for him and sweaty for him because that's me. No. When I'm betting on DraftKings. (laughs) I felt this movie so much. Yeah, but you're not, like... Getting money from other people and throwing it around town. True. Basically, like, he finally gets the Black Oval back. And he's trying to put it on auction because this was... Well, it was already, like, in an agreement to be in an auction, like, contracted. Like, it had to. So he was telling Kevin Garnett if he wanted it, he needed to come make a bid on it. But originally, the... It was, a Supposed to be worth a million dollars. Yeah, like, Howard said it was supposed to be worth a million dollars, quote-unquote. But, you know, he, he kind of, like, snakes around and does these small lies. So he tries to get people to believe him. So that way he would get all this money and then pay off his bookies and just be free. But probably bet it all again and <laughs> yeah, not exactly. even pay the bookie. so stupid. So he puts it in the auction and Kevin Garnett comes. Because once, once it came off of Kevin Garnett's hands, he had a terrible game. Right. So, so he knew he would want it. So, basically, it made it more valuable for Kevin Garnett to come to the auction to bet on it. But also, once he goes to the auction, Howard, and he sees that they put inserts in all the books, that they it got reappraisaled for only, like... 155000 Yeah. Yeah. So, he's pissed. 
and he wants his he has this like family member to come to the auction he wants try to, to bid up him the up bid. yeah so then he bids it up and then obviously that he told him that he would cover it cover uh like he goes what happens if i i bid two hundred thousand and then i win it he's like well i'll just give you the money back which is obviously of course what happens and it's fucking stressful but does he really give him the money back? He no. gets the black opal back, but he doesn't give him the money. That's what he does. He's just snaking everybody around in town. Just like, hey, I have your money. Oh, I'm going to place it on this bet. Right. So I don't have he, your money anymore. <laughs> right. So then he calls up Kevin Garnett. You still want this opal, obviously. Are we still doing the 175? Kevin yeah, but Garnett's then he ends obviously up- pissed and is like, why the fuck are you playing these games with me, Howard? Howard plays games with everybody, though, in this movie, is, as stressful. you can tell. And I'm just like, dude... If you would have just like, yes, not given him the opal in the first place, then you wouldn't be in this situation. So then, I mean, he would still be in some situations. So it's even funnier though that when Kevin Garnett comes in to get the opal, he's just like, "Why are you fucking me around? Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't been straight from the start." Here's one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars in cash, ten thousand dollars below the agreement. So he's well, it was ten thousand dollars for oh money. for uh, yeah for Lakeith Stanfield's character. For basically, so what he him. does is takes the money, even though Arnold's there to collect it and all that, and he sneaks it past the window to Julia to make a fucking huge bet on Kevin Garnett. He's up in Kevin Garnett, like getting him all pumped. Spoiler, spoiler territory right here. This is where, if you haven't watched it, turn us off, come back to it. But we're about to spoil it. Uh, not, not really yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, anyway, this is he's much. like get, Kevin Garnett's like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're crazy!" And he's like, "No, like you know, you're gonna play your best fucking game." It's like, game seven, by the way. Yeah. And, and getting them all pumped. It's it's winner go home. He's like, "I'm gonna bet on you." He's like, "I'm gonna bet the tip. I'm gonna bet Garnett rebounds, points, points, rebounds, game. Celtics to win, and the Celtics to cover." So a five game or a five set parlay. $165,000 on it, which paid like $1.2 million. So he sends Julia to somewhere. He, in a ne- fucking next door Uber to helicopter, the, well, which I didn't even know exists for rich people. He sent Julia next door to basically well, yeah. hang out the window and take the money, or else it would be way too obvious for Arnold and well, his, his goons. The, yeah. And then after a couple minutes, they're like, she has all the money. Yeah, like he placed it on the on it. And they get locked in the doors in between the shop. Yeah, that was one of the things, too. Like The magnetic they, they, strips were fucked up. That was one of the things earlier in the movie, too, is, like, some people, like, one, remember one of the guys was like, I'm claustrophobic, get me out of yeah. here. Like, one of Kevin Garnett's guys. And something earlier in the movie was it, it the magnetic strip gets locked, or it, it doesn't. His door is broken, basically, and he's a cheap-ass, like, loser and hasn't gotten fixed. Like, I need metal shavings. Yeah. And he has to do it himself. So he ends up getting Arnold and his goons into the doorway where they can't escape. Right. But the one guy has a gun. He shows him the fucking gun, right? He shows him the gun. And he's like, oh, you can't shoot in there. Like, it's bulletproof. You'll just shoot yourself, blah, 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 blah. After he saw the fucking gun and knew he had a gun, uh, he should have been way more careful about that. Because that dude was an asshole, clearly, beating his ass already millions of times. Like... So they're watching the game, and it's they're watching the game. High and I am stressed. Yeah, I mean, you already knew the outcome of this game seven years ago, and you're watching it now. I was stressed. I was like, "Oh man, what the fuck?" This was this was me when I won that 4K on a couple years ago. Just stressed because I didn't even have any guys going in the last game, and I was like, "I hope nobody takes me down." <laughs> so that's why I felt this movie so much, and that's why I loved it so much. So he's watching the game. They're all in there like... Sweating because it's hot in there. And Arnold is... But Arnold's is like, wow, like maybe he knows what he's doing in his bets because, you know, he gets the rebound and or he gets the he tip gets, off they and get then the he's tip. getting rebounds. Yeah. And he's, they're up and all that stuff. I guess <sighs> I guess you could say like Howard gave Kevin Garnett a little bit of a pet talk because they said that... Oh, yeah, oh you're he not... hyped his ass up. He was like, you're going to win. You're going to do this. For you're me. not going to get 18 points. They say you're not going to get eight rebounds yeah. and stuff like that. Dude, Kevin Garnett was a beast back then. Even though he was 35 or 37 years old at this point, but it was towards the tail of his career. But when he was in Boston, he was dominant. I know you don't watch basketball. But I know... Kevin Garnett? No, I know the team was good then. So, Julia goes to make this bet, but she also meets 
the creepy guy that's the that hell looks like donald trump with longer hair yeah he's like very orange and <laughs> he he's that he drives her he's clearly super rich he has a penthouse there and wants her to come up because she's just so beautiful but also a couple of his goons uh arnold's goons are trying to track her down to stop her from making the bet you know and then she escapes into she does end up going to the past. So she goes to the penthouse. She can with hide him. there, basically. Yeah. She's like, can you put the game on? He's like, yeah, I'm going to take a shower and get ready. Just like all creepily. He actually was not a creep to her, though. You know what I mean? Like, In a was, way, he was. He was creepy, but like he was just trying to hang out. He wasn't trying to do anything weird. He had friends coming over. He, he gives her all the money. Yeah. Well, later on, he wins the bet. Howard wins. And she takes all the money, but she gets out. Without the money because, you know, they're the, the goons are looking for her. Right. So he takes the money. So you the see money. the creepy dude with the bags and you're like, oh, fuck, did he, like, fucking scam this money from her? Yeah. But then he she he puts it in the car with her. And you're like, oh, okay. And it's really and He's like, hey, we should, we should hang out sometime. And yeah. she's like, no, I gotta go. <laughs> but at that point. But after, after <laughs> the whole game's over, like. You could also see it on Arnold's face, too. He was like... He was like, wow, like, wow we won, won a million fucking dollars. And like, I'm going to get my money back. And as soon as Howard let the door open, that was probably the most shocking part of the movie. Oh, when, yeah. Even Everybody when we saw it in Toronto, when we saw screamed. it... Screamed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? I think I was like, oh, shit. The second time we saw it, we were like, oh, I wonder how everybody's going to react. We were literally... We, like, tapped yeah. each other and we were like, I wonder how gonna react in our row like there was a group of like four or five people or something yeah, like that they were sitting like and they were on, on the seats. edge of their seats they were just like oh my god what's going on what's going on what's going on oh shit and like all when the he women got shot. screamed he gets shot right in the face and the blood is like every time his pulse like and you're just like wow so arnold's like what the fuck are you guys Why doing he do won that? yeah and he was like don't fucking move or you'll be next and, and the dumbass tries to was, escape, man. I next. wouldn't have fucking moved, okay? And then Arnold, his ass got Arnold shot. became the next victim. And then it's really sad. Yeah. She was going to come back with all that money. She he, better have, I was just thinking about this, but I hope she gave it to his fucking family. Who knows? Uncut Gems too. <laughs> no. So pretty much it just ends with a camera shot into Howard's bullet hole. And it's through the cosmos again. Yeah, through the cosmos of the opal. But, I mean, the cinematography was really good. It was, like, gritty and mostly, like, hand camera work. The score was really good, too, because... So it was, like, jittery. The score was really good, too, anxiety. because he also worked... The, the person that did the score for this also did good time. He returned, but he returned with his real name in this one. Did he? Yeah. Daniel Lopatin. Oh. What was his, uh... Do you have his other I don't name? know how to say it. One oh tricks point never. Sounds good. So, returned, sounds about right to me. Yeah, but he returned for Uncut Gems, but with his real name this time. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, that like synth score and it was like super loud. It was good. Like there's it was there, there that was, was the point. There was no likable characters in this movie. Um, that is not true. His wife. She was kind of a bitch though. No, she wasn't. In a way. Explain. Because she was a bitch to him, especially he when he was like. He deserved it. He was like. Well, there was a part in the movie where... He ruined their whole family because he had a gambling problem. He was a bad parent, a bad husband, a bad partner. If you don't stop, I'm going to put and the then, entire Disney vacation on the bowls. And then when he thought his little girlfriend was cheating on him, he, he was like, oh, maybe we can have a second chance. No, he was a fucking loser. She was not a bitch. Are you kidding me? She's the queen. She was Elsa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a queen. Adina Menzel. His kids were like... His daughter was like, well, he was. she was also like, fuck you, dad. You're a loser. Like, when he, he was at the kitchen table... Like, they were making dinner, and he's like, hey, you did very well at the play, and basically she's, <laughs> she's just like, like fuck okay. off, Dad. <laughs> it was actually really sad, but again, his fault. I mean, if I would win $1.2 million, you know what that would do for us? Wonders. And Judd Hirsch, I liked his character. He was a nice old man who got screwed. Okay. I, I can kind of see your point here. But... <laughs> But most of the characters in this movie were so insufferable. Which was also the whole point. And everybody was so loud, yelling at each other. And a lot of people... If you bet on basketball, this is a movie for you. If you like movies, this is a movie for you. Good <laughs> movies. But there's some people that... I don't. I think it was a lot of troll accounts on Rotten Tomatoes. I know nobody personally who did not like it. 
on Letterboxd, it's a 4.3. So go with the Letterboxd score. Don't go with Rotten Tomatoes because it's a bunch of fucking whack-ass people that have unmarked accounts. They're not even verified. But, I mean, in, in this, like, a lot of the characters, even though they play, like, minor roles, like, there's the two guys that are, like, looking for money from him or something. Yeah, they were And so he funny. gave them, like, a ro- fake Rolex. Yeah. Well, and those were... Demonies. He was like selling, like passing them out all over town, yeah. and super pissed because he finds out that Howard was like giving away his fucking watches. All like, Howard was doing fake. was pawning basically everything he Literally could get his hands everything. on. And that's what happens when you get a an addicted to gambling. I know. I'm trying to pawn that Boltor shirt off that <laughs> people aren't fucking buying. People are buying it and then not paying for it. People are winning it on eBay, but they're not paying for it. You fucking cheap ass motherfuckers. <laughs> I have a family to support. <laughs> you fucking assholes. So, Uncut Gems, I personally gave it a four and a half out of five. There's a few things I would have liked to have known, but I'm okay with it. Like what? Like how maybe he met Julia. How Kevin Garnett was doing during... <laughs> was doing... The rest all of those the, things are honest. During the rest of the games that were going on. Imagine if they would have did this with like another team, because apparently they were trying to do a new, like a, a more up to date version with like Joel Embiid, oh. but they were they were already in season when they were trying to film it. But this is a great film. It's definitely Adam Sandler's best role ever. So I mean, it was he was perfect for it. He's obnoxious, the obnoxious but also tender part of his character, and I don't know. He has never played a better role in his life. Punch Drunk Love was probably his last good role. When was that? 2003, I believe. I don't know. I like him in every movie he does, to be honest, but... I thought you didn't like comedies. I like romantic comedies. Like what? Was he... The Wedding Singer. Do you really call that a That one with Drew Barrymore with the pineapple... What's that called? 51st Dates or something? Because <laughs> she had, like, short-term memory loss. Um, Punch Drunk Love was 2002. But that was Paul Thomas Anderson. But, anyway, he's a saint. But apparently the Safety brothers talked to Paul Thomas Anderson. They're like, how is it working with Adam Sandler? And they said it was a really good experience. And then another thing, too, was Adam Sandler basically told the Safety brothers, don't let me interfere with this. This is your movie. Because there's, like, apparently on, like, the David Spade show... Like, he has his own, like, late-night sitcom, kind of like how, like, Conan, and mm-hmm. they were talking about it and how they still think, like, Grown Ups was a good movie. But Adam Sandler has this notorious thing for, like, taking over movies, like, oh. scripts and directing. But the Safety brothers were in full control over this. He was like, whatever you guys need to do, I'll do it. We'll go from there. You almost see his dick. When he's naked in the trunk. I don't think he was actually naked. I don't think he was either, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uncut gems. It'll make you want to go out and buy a Nike tracksuit. You can see me posted up on it. (laughs) In a yellow Nike tracksuit. I look fucking great. (laughs) I like this color on you better than the one that you have on right now. Maroon? Burgundy. It's burgundy. Oh, okay. Well, I would like a... And actually, red that one. yellow one was called Dark Sulfur. Oh. Oh, you would look terrible in red. You have red Excuse hair. me, I look good in anything. Blue. You need a green or blue. Like, what You need kind a of green, blue? like a forest green. Like a hunter green? Like that inky well, shirt kind, your sister gave you. Well, what kind of blue? Baby blue? <sighs> Royal blue? Navy blue? I have a navy blue one like this. Okay, well, you need some pants. Okay, well, give me some pants. Okay. And then I need the shoes to go with it and the gold chains. All right, well, and you then get that both I will be in shirt stolen you by yourself. And something. then I will be in Uncut Gems too. Uncut Gems, probably movie of the year. Maybe. Thriller of the year, a hundred percent. Okay. So next week we'll be back with the grudge. You ready for that? I'm so excited for this grudge. This is also from the director that did The Eyes of My Mother. Which is a fucking sick film. We and talked about piercing. it in our top ten of the decade. Yes. I feel like there were so many movies that we needed to talk about in the decade, and I feel like we didn't talk about all of them. I mean, we weren't going to be able to talk about all of them. I mean, we could. It was like a two-hour We episode. could almost... The only one that I thought we missed, but it was actually 2009, was The Loved Ones. But it was 2009, so it didn't count. 
Well, maybe it did come out in 2010. Like, maybe that was the film festival circuit that it did in 2009, and then it came out in 2010. Well, besides that, I think we got everything in there. I mean, if you're looking we for... We mentioned it. If you're looking for a good movie, The Loved Ones is great. Yeah. Great Australian horror. Don't think there was any comedy involved in it. A little bit. I was reading a forum of people's favorite uh, horror comedies of the decade, and somebody said The Loved Ones, and they were like, actually, I think that was 2009. But I read it to make sure, you know, What We Do in the Shadows was on there, Deathgasm, all those good ones. 100 Bloody Acres was also on there. All the good ones were on there, and I was like, I'm proud of these people. I'm proud of these people. Well, I don't think at Sundance there's really any horror comedies besides that bad hair one. The one that uh, the director is doing, he's done uh, Dear White People. Coming out, you mean? Yeah. This Sundance? Yeah. Other than that, I mean, Downhill. No. (laughs) The the Will Ferrell comedy. (laughs) I cannot stand that man. Hmm. His movies. I like him as a person. I like watching him talk and do interviews. I think when he... He was funny on Bear Grylls. He was on Bear Grylls. Was he? Yeah. I think that's why when I became to like him, but I just do not like him in movies. He's I, not I think when he does like the more indie films. So there's this movie where um, he there's like somebody narrating his life. Do you know what I'm talking about? That movie I like. I have no idea what it's called. <laughs> I think it has Emma Stone. No. Watson. No. Tom- Roberts. No, Thompson. <laughs> oh, the only. I think one. it has Emma Thompson in it. The- She's the one that's like narrating his life she's like a writer or something or maybe he's a writer isn't that um um god why is it not coming to me it's really good though stranger than fiction it's called stranger than fiction yeah. it came out in 2006 yeah. that okay. movie i liked because i like you know writing because i like writing yeah emma thompson is the author okay it's like a voice in in his head well so when, that movie i like well when will ferrell does like but that's not really a comedy it's a drama fantasy well, when he does indie films, I feel like they're much better for him. Like, I remember... I mean, that goes for every actor. <laughs> well, like, you know, he put out the Holmes and Watson. That was like a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes and Daddy's Home 1 and 2. Like, all these dumb movies that he does. And then he did, uh, a few years ago, there was this movie called Everything Must Go. And it was actually really sad. So it was more of a drama for him. Yeah. Because he had to like... But it's hard to take him seriously, you know, when he gets I, in a serious role because he's just so weird. Like I have the Blu-ray and I think, yeah, an alcohol, when an alcoholic relapses, causing him to lose his wife and his job, he holds a yard sale on the front, his front lawn in an attempt to start over. And it was just like, so fucking sad. <laughs> That's a great movie. Everything must go. So before we get out of here, I wanted to add, I think we wanted to discuss... We have a small-ish list of movies that we have seen, but you haven't seen yet that will be coming out Does in 2020. Does this make us special? Does that make know. you special? I'm just... No, okay. <laughs> there are some movies that we've seen that we wanted to suggest that we're excited about coming out in the year. We've talked about all of them in the podcast at some point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Grubby says they don't all have release dates yet, but they are bought and going to be released next year at some point so we have so saint maud does have a date this has a doesn't it uh i thought it was march 7 27th saint maud yeah that preview is going in the theaters now yeah we saw it before uncut gems yeah so that one is the a24 one that was scary that we saw also 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 when we saw hidden life we saw a24 movie called first cow yeah it looks great it's great it's a Drama. It's about the first cow ever to come here. Yes. Or something. I don't know. Okay. A24 is just, just takes your money. Yes. Um, buy another buy one, me a hat. Yeah. <laughs> another one is Guns Akimbo, which is the one with Dan Ratcliffe with the guns, you know, trying to piss with the guns connected to his hands, smart that, waving, gold teeth. That, so, that so great. doesn't have a release date yet, but that was bought by. I can't think of the fucking company's name now. <laughs> Sabin Films. That's right. That's okay. what it was. Sorry. And then obviously we got coming January 24th, Colorado Space. That's Nicolas Cage's new movie based on a HP Lovecraft. With the alpacas. Yes. And <laughs> Richard Stanley with his comeback into filmmaking. Uh, what else was there? Um... Come to Daddy will be out February 7th. 
we're just going to keep hitting you over the head with all these because they're good movies that either we both saw or I saw at film festivals. And then, why am I getting a dirty look? <laughs> this is happening again in like a month. Yeah, I can't. I cannot believe you go to Sundance without me. How dare you? What a great birthday present. I'm doing a discount Sundance Film Fest. What does that mean? I sold a bolt thrower shirt to go. If you had to sell a shirt to go, that means you should not have gone. No, these are just t-shirts that I don't wear. And I finally got smart and started selling them. Okay, so what else? You had given me a couple other ones. I, I did. Will you please go through the text messages? <laughs> okay. A good woman is hard to find. That's right. That'll be out. January 24th, I believe, as well. We've been talking about that one that you definitely need to see. Sea Fever. Sea Fever does. the other one you gave me? Yeah, Sea Fever does not have a release date yet, but that was picked up by Amazon. So it should. It's a seaside noir, and there was one other movie that we didn't see, but I know we both wanted to see, was Blow the Man Down, which was a seaside noir. Picked up by Amazon Studios. We'll just are supposed to only be giving ones that... We'll just continue with Amazon Studios. Uh, the Vast of Night will be on there. I thought it was already supposed to be out, but apparently I don't think it's going to be out until February now. I saw this at Fantastic Fest. I had a mixed review about it. I would like to revisit it. If we get a chance to do an episode with it, cool. There are a lot of movies coming out in February. Valentine's Day specifically, actually. That's when you fuck and watch Netflix. <laughs> so... Is that pretty much it? That is all we have, folks. Next week, The Grudge. Your people. <laughs> Isn't The Grudge supposed to be like the same timeline as the Sarah Michelle Gellar one? It is. They're, they're um, all not the same timeline. What do you mean by that? Like it's just happening in a different part of the world. It's the same time frame like when the new grudge movie is directly connected to both the series and the 2004 grudge. okay connected and that and this one has what andrea riseborough and john cho i love john cho that's all that's all i have to say about it that's why i'm excited about it is it because that's it he's great in harold and kumar no i have not seen <laughs> that because it's a comedy <laughs> you have zero sense of humor no, I have great sense of humor, and that's why I don't like any of those comedies, because they're not funny. Oh, my God. You are... Well, if you watch some of the f comedies that I do, you're a... You would be a snowflake about it. I would not. Yes. So, before we get out of here, you can find us on social media, on Instagram, at Final Cut Film Reviews. Are you taking a picture of me? No, I am not taking a picture of you. Are you taking a picture of yourself? No, I'm doing what Disney character are you? Oh, my... <laughs> I'm Baby Yoda. Shut the fuck up. No, no, they're like uh, classic Disney characters. You can find us on Twitter at Final Cut Right, and then obviously, if you're listening to us, you're well, we're on uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. Stacy's trying to figure out what fucking princess she is when she's I really got Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> That's bullshit. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, it's been a great year for for horror films, and it sounds like it's going to be another great year. Hopefully not too many remakes. What the fuck? I do not want to be a Disney princess. No, it was Gus from Cinderella. I'm Gus? Gus, Gus. Oh, okay. Uh, hear from us next week with The Grudge. Bye. <laughs>